Hey guys, how's it going? How's it going? Wow. This is like the Zemmett here with Cartel Aristocrats Finance Podcast number 24. Officially, RSS feed is working. Officially, we are now on iTunes if you're hearing us through that. Thank you for the people that have already downloaded our past casts. Anyway, we're here with a flavorful uh, and shocking Cartel Aristocrats podcast. If you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves before we dive in. Flawless entry. You know it. Hey everyone, I am Douglas Johnson. Everybody knows me as DJ. Uh, I write for Quiet Speculation, and my articles come out on every Thursday. And I talk about bulkers a lot. My name is Jim Casal. I write for Modern Nexus on whatever day they feel like publishing me, and uh, Gathering Magic every other Monday starting today. Uh, if you're listening to this, obviously not the day that we recorded it, then it won't be today, but it'll be up, so you can go read my article, and it'll be awesome. You can also Flawless find me on intro. Twitter. Flawless intro. Yeah, that's how I roll. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at P-H-R-O-S-T underscore. And I am Mike Kazan. Yeah, Mike Kazan. Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Wednesday for MTG Price on the Pro Trader side, and I do the podcast MTG Fast Finance with James Shilcott. And I'm Zemet. You can find me at Zemet Sells Magic. You can find me in person in the great state of Missouri. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. Find me at all the Grand Prix. Um, so there's been a lot of stuff going on in the last week. Uh, if you guys are part of the horrible website known as Reddit... Um, there's this been, there's been a huge backlash in the community on both the main Magic subreddit and Puka Trade. A lot of people are looking at the graphs of the amount of cards traded, and it has quite literally gone between half and a third of the original trades before the site got updated. There's a thread that hit the front page about how bad Puka Trade is and how it's a pyramid scam. Uh, obviously, we can argue over whether or not it is a pyramid scam, and the fact that bounties are now integrated into the site essentially. Um, meaning that a lot of people aren't getting the cards they want because other power users are essentially able to offer as much as 25% bounty on points uh, for cards. So how do you guys feel about Puka Trade? Do you use it, and do you feel the site is dead? Okay, so I have sort of an interesting and unique relationship with Puka Trade. I started when it was in beta back in like 2000, like late 2013, early 2014, something like that when the membership was 17 or $18 a year for a silver membership. So I'm locked into that price forever, and I don't think I'm ever going to unsubscribe from that just because it's such a ridiculously low opportunity cost. And I used to use it to just trade for stuff I needed, foil out decks, whatever. And then once I started getting into the finance aspect, I would put cards on my wallet. I would like trade out old standard stuff, random crap that I wasn't able to get rid of and then pick up cards, uh, basically like order them through TCG Player using store credit, except it was recruitment trade for people who wanted to have custom orders from me for cards they didn't already have. So people would send me lists for EDH decks, I'd throw the entire list on Puka Trade, I'd get all the cards in a week later, and then sell them basically at TCG Mid to the person who custom, like had a custom order. Um, I stopped doing that once the trade slowed down, and I haven't really used Puka Trade at all since the site was updated and I don't really plan on using it again just because I don't really like the way the new site looks. The, the way the new site looks. Um, but I haven't really used it to actually make a reasonable judgment on that. I just don't really like it anymore. So I don't know if it's a Ponzi scheme or pyramid scheme or anything like that. I actually didn't even see that Reddit thread. I go on Reddit all day, or every day, and I didn't see that thread, but I don't use Puka Trace anymore. I have a shorter and sweeter version of this. Uh, I traded some stuff I didn't I didn't want that I had that was worth like less or more than nothing, but less than something. Uh, I got some foil cards, and then um, I started to see the trends of just not a lot of stuff, not a lot of things coming and going that people actually wanted. Like if you wanted a bunch of garbage and you wanted to trade like your time life into like a bunch of like dollar rares, you could do that. But I don't have any interest in doing that, and I pretty much exclusively trade for foils, so I just stopped using it because it costs money to do that. Um, I don't know what the new site looks like. I haven't logged on in probably like eight months, and I don't miss it at all. 
I haven't been using PokerTrade as long as Doug. I've used the site a good bit. At one point, I was one of the I had one of the twenty largest trades or something on the site when I picked up an Elishnorn. Um, and and I've done I haven't done as much as a lot of other people now at this point, but uh, you know probably a couple thousand dollars worth of trades, and I, and I did really like it in the past, but there has definitely been a trend at least for me personally in it slowing down considerably um, to the point where I haven't really used it much at all for quite some time now, probably at least a few months. Um, you know I trade mostly for EDH foils. Uh, you know that's all I, I really found it particularly useful for it was actually cards that I wanted to play with, which is good because that's what it should what you you want it to be for. It's not really a tool for speculators as much. Um, so you know I've looked at the new site, but I haven't really been trading on it, so I can't speak to the efficacy of it or whether it's a problem. Um, Built-in uh, bounties is a curious direction to go. It sort of undermines their their model, I think. Um, so I'd have to look closer at that to see what the story is. I think ultimately it's still a strong model, um, for sure. They just have to figure out the kinks before it falls apart. Um, and I guess it's a race to see if they can figure that out. I'm not surprised that it would be acting very strangely, or at least uh, you'd see huge swings in the use use uh, history over the last month or so, because after they launched the new site, it integrated moto trading, which kind of throws everything for a loop. So you might have had a lot of people backing off to kind of see how things landed. Um, so people might be a little hesitant to trade uh, if you're opening this new market. I, I don't know. I don't know for sure. But I think it's a strong tool. I, w- I would hope that it uh, it survives. I think there's a lot of people who were put off by it just because uh, when it came out and over the like over the course of the time that I used it, it looked like such a great idea and such a wonderful concept that was just run absolutely poorly. It it just seemed like the developers of it didn't really have a PR team or any sort of like knowledge of how to talk to the public of what was going on, and it just turned into this giant mess that everybody's afraid to touch now. I would like to clarify, after just looking at Puka Trade, apparently the bounty system is not there. I thought it was, but you can still send points now to people on top of your normal trade. The site looks really clunky, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm horribly inefficient when it comes to technology, but it just looks really weird and not as easy to use as it was before. There's just a lot of stuff uh, all over the site that doesn't make sense or is just like way too clunky, in my opinion. Uh, the site's been going downhill for a while. Uh, I don't know, for those listening, how much you guys follow MTG YouTubers, but uh, Rogue Deck Boater, who's a guy that has about 40 or 50,000 subs, just put out a video about the uh, paid advertisements that Puka Trade did for uh, Tolarian Community College and the Mana Source about uh, what they received in return for promoting them on their respective YouTube channels. So it's just something to keep in mind that... Uh, the YouTubers who did link Puka Trade back when it was blooming in popularity and points were going like crazy used their referral link and they had thousands of people sign up. So they're getting thousands of dollars of cards for free, plus any unknown amount of money Puka Trade might have paid them. On top of that, the fact that Puka Trade pays its writers in Puka points instead of cash, I mean, at least they don't pay them in exposure, that's a whole other thing, but Puka points is pretty much exposure at this point. That's funny because, like, I actually wrote an article for Puka Trade back when it was first coming out. I wrote about the uh, the modern time warp deck, like before yeah. it was a big thing, and uh, I got paid like twenty dollars in Puka points, and I was like, okay, I'm not doing this again. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a personal story about how they're basically paying you a monopoly money. Um, I would like to point out that uh, for those listening, we did get a new graphic. Um, it isn't on iTunes yet, but uh, I did pay. The person that made it in um, in money and not exposure. Who would have thought? Did uh, you pay him? But did you pay him in Monopoly money? That's the real question. No, he got paid in Triton layers. Um, I want to I want to comment here quick. Is is first is that uh, you're you're right to a point that the new site for the, the little bit I poked at it is clearly an attempt at a very uh, an updated GUI updated interface, and it's going to take time to iron that out. We see this with every major interface upgrade across the internet. Every website, every software, everything loses a huge chunk of users when they uh, 
when they upgrade their interface, they figure out what people like, they don't like, they streamline, and eventually it's much better than it used to be and far ahead of what the old system was. But you're going from a battle-worn old Testament inter interface that they had worked with a lot to a brand new kind of clunky trying to figure things out interface. Um, so I, I have faith that that will get better in time, uh, just, if only because Pugatrade has shown that they make lots of changes as opposed to Moda, which does nothing forever and just ends up making things worse when they do. Secondly... By your own admission, you're terrible with technology. So there, on your case particular, there may be a slight hesitancy to accept the platform because you're less comfortable with it, which is not unfair. I think a lot of people are probably in the same boat. Right, that's a great point to point out. Um, as far as the positives of Puka Trade go, they're now doing Magic Online trading. Um, as a former, and this is, I don't really use the site anymore, so I feel like I can say that. As one of the power users that used to buy and sell points quite frequently, almost every day. Um, it's cool to see Magic Online bot chains hitting me up for Puka points because they see that they can turn these Puka points into much needed inventory for their bot chains online. Uh, I guess that's a better thing than the semi-illegal or frowned upon method of buying points from other users, which is what I used to do. And... Um, so now you can convert your Puka points into online cards, sell the online cards for tickets, and get a pretty good return on your Puka points versus the 55 to 60% cash value that Puka points had a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm going to hijack our conversation. Yeah. Have you guys... Are you looking at the Chandra? This yeah. is ridiculous. Holy crow. That yeah. is so, so powerful. So for people that are just tuning in or listening to this in the future, you might have seen it. Uh, Chandra Torchship Defiance just got spoiled. Jesus. In the middle of a red Planeswalker. So four mana starts with four loyalty. It's plus one is exile the top card of your library. You may cast that card. If you don't, it deals two damage to each opponent, so it's more useful already because if you exile a land, that's a free shock. I mean, it is a shocking Planeswalker, let's be honest. It's next plus one is add two red to your mana pool. Um, it's minus three as it, it basically flame tongue Kabu's a creature, it deals four damage, and it's minus seven as you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell, this emblem deals five damage to target creature or player. So it's an interesting Planeswalker. Now looking at it right away, I can tell you this isn't good enough for vintage, so this card is clearly garbage. <laughs> but for our standard players and horrible modern players uh, on this cast or listening, what do you want to say about this card? I mean, do you think it's good money? I'll let, you know, I'll let Doug start. We'll go in order. I don't play standard, but I think this card is absolutely insane. Uh, the last Planeswalker to have two plus ones, what was it? Well, like in, like multiple abilities like this, I don't know. The last four drop Planeswalker to have two plus ones, what was that? I don't think there has been a Walker with two. Has there was with true straight plus my, ones? My first uh, like Elspeth immediate like, reaction is like Elspeth Knight Errant, which is insane. But I want to say there's another Planeswalker with two plus ones. It's garbage. But uh, yeah. this both of this ones plus ones are very very good. It has removal. It has like this card just seems like and it's ultimate just straight wins the game. You you just can't lose if you ultimate that card and you have like even one card in your hand. I think so. It seems very very powerful for standard. I don't know what red or red deck in modern it fits in, but it seems very, very, very powerful for standard. This card is really good, and it's going to be really expensive. So this does, this is like the explosive vegetation that I wish I had for the last 12 months. It provides you with two mana to go from four to seven, so you can play your world breaker. And it also lets you play a spell on the turn that you cast it, because you can, like, play it plus two, play it like a Heatron Crawler or a removal spell, and, you know, keep her alive. And then in the next turn, you get to, you know, play your big dumb idiot. And this also gives you flood protection, because you can draw a card every turn. Like, uh, this card's really expensive. What's what's being about This card has five abilities. This is five abilities. Four? Five? It's plus one... It's first plus one lets you choose oh. to either cast the card or shock them. Sure, whatever. I, I'm looking at this, and I'm seeing 
that if you are an aggressive strategy, this is a good top end because it allows you, it starts drawing you gas at the end, and when you miss on gas, it still hits your opponent for two, which, I mean, there are going to be games where you cast this on four and exile the top card and pray for a land, or actually, I take it back, you exile it to the top card and do nothing just because you want the two damage, and it's got the ability to come down and clear block, clear out blockers as you attack, and then on the flip side of that, if you're playing a ram strategy, uh, again, it draws you gas, it helps ramp the, the turn after you cast it, and, or play something in the mid, you know, you can play this and then play a two-drop uh, to protect her while you pre prepare to ramp, and then still gets takes the pressure off of you with her removal. And even and in mid-range, it just does everything. Like, this has a, a there's a sequence with Chandra, both an aggressive mid-range and ramp decks. I can easily see this hitting modern. If Nahiri is modern playable, this is modern playable. No, I, I agree to point out, enough. I just don't know what deck it goes in. Uh, Travis is wrong on one respect here. He did say on the flip side he's thinking about the wrong Chandra. That was the origins printing of it. Um, basically, see, we, no, time we, out. <laughs> no, no, you gotta stop. You don't get to do so, that. So there's a slight, there's a slight thing because we all read it a little quickly. So you can cast the card, you can't play the card, so if you flip a land, it's just always going to shock. You can't actually play the land. Right, right. Could you, could you play lands off the old one? Yeah. Like Pyromaster? Yes. At the same yeah. time, because we record this podcast live, we also had the spoiler of Metallurgic Summonings, 3 Blue Blue Enchantment. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create an excess co XX colorless construct Artifact creature token where X is that spell CMC. For five mana, you can exile it to return all instant and sorcery cards from your graveyard to your hand. Activate this only if you control six or more artifacts. This card screams EDH. I'm buying as many as I can when it when it goes down to nothing. Like if this hits a dollar, I'm all in. Because from a shop perspective, I can buy this at a quarter. It's hard not to buy cards profitable when you own a store. <laughs> yep. Any thoughts on this uh, this uh, card, guys? Do you have an affinity towards it or not? Uh, it seems pretty janky, and I want to buy a bunch of a quarter and throw them in my dollar box and sell them for a dollar. Jim? I want one foil copy, and I'll figure out what I'm going to do with it later. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not blown away with it yet, but eh, maybe. Like, this could... I mean, this could act as a finisher in control decks. Oh, absolutely. You know, you let you play this on five, and then you're on, like, turn seven or eight, you cast this with Connor Spellmont up, and then every removal or counter you play or cantrip just keeps making creatures. You didn't even have to exile it. You could just use it to pump out a ton of bodies. I think it could see play in the sideboard of, like, the Thermo Alchemist deck, too. And also remember, at the same time, uh, we have a bunch of other Kaladesh spoilers we do, spoilers we do need to cover, uh, enemy Fastlands just got spoiled. Uh, whether or not that impacts the modern metagame, who really cares, to be honest with you? Uh, in fact, I've seen arguments both ways because your Delve spells get weaker, uh, you're not able to cast Become Immense as early, but your mana is a little better. Uh, the red-white Fastland people are talking about being okay in Burn. Uh, do you guys like these, or do you feel that with so much Kaladesh that's going to be opened, it's just not worth it? I mean, why not both? We, we can like them because they're good cards and then still just accept the fact that they're not going to be, like, $20 Blackleaf clips. Like, I think I can see them being 5 to 8 for the good ones and then, like, 3 to that's, 4 for the bad ones. Uh, that's a lot. Like, the Battle of Resendikar lands never even got, like, half that expensive. But those weren't played in Modern nearly as much. Like, those wouldn't be a 4 of. Like, the Black Green and the... Uh, Whatever the other junk or junk one is, we played in uh, like modern as forums, I think though. The gold guardians so, ones. Yeah. So I think that the best one of them is the blue green one, and I think that the other ones are not going to see almost any play because they're the wrong. So most of the decks that play multiple copies of these fast lands are trying to cast one mana spells that they have to cast on turn one or turn two, like fairly consistently. So, like, the black-red one obviously lets you cast Lightning Bolt and Inquisition or Thoughtseize, which is why it's good. The green-black one doesn't really... Like, those decks don't usually play Thoughtseize and also, like, Noble Hierarch. So there's not, a, like, a lot of reason for you to play that one. You could just get a basic on turn two. 
Like, I don't think that people are going to play them nearly as much as they did the ones that previously existed because the colors are just not as good for the blue your Red one goes in, like, Delver decks, though, right? For, like, Delver Bolt, Swiss Spear, Sure, but they also kind of want to have, like, the deck thinning part from having your your fetch lands, and a lot of times those decks play Blood Moon in their sideboard, so they don't actually even want the fast land, they just want to have a bunch of basic islands. I think that they're very good. Um, you know, Razor Verge Thicket is very heavily played. Uh, Black Cleave Cliffs is really heavily played. I mean, just looking at Modern. Um, and the other ones pop up occasionally, but we already know Blue Red Lands tend to do very well. Uh, you know, all of the Blue Red Lands in every format and every printing are tend to be, like, the most or the second most expensive printing. Um Blue red is really popular in modern as it is. I, I just you, they're all going to go through phases, but I definitely see them being pretty solid investments. Uh, they make a lot of decks mana a lot more comfortable, a lot less painful. Yeah, it's going to be bad to be burned. Yeah, because now you have every deck in modern can theoretically have the first three turns nearly perfect mana with no damage. And it slows them down on turn four, but it means that it's much easier for them to interact on the first three turns with, without taking a huge amount of damage. And they don't have to pay life later on. And at the same time, another card whose mana has been prohibitive, prohibitively hard to cast, but apparently not in modern, Grim Flayer. That card doubled. Um... Now, we did talk about on the cast how Eldritch Moon cards were going to see higher increases just based off the fact that Conspiracy hasn't been open that much. And after we got a $45 Liliana of the Veil, we got a $22 Emrakul right now, TCG mid. Liliana of the Last Hope. Sure, whatever. It's a Liliana that's way too expensive for three mana, as far as money goes. Um, we also have Grimflayer at a lot of money. We have Emrakul at a lot of money. We have the Collective Cycle starting to spike. I mean, this is this sets a dealer's wet dream. You just get to crack boxes at $76.5 each all day and just, like, flip the hell out of these cards. So it's interesting already to see how much value this set has. Normally it stops a little bit after the Pro Tour, but the set's value keeps going up. I do want to add that, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but Shadows over Innistrad, Bolt Commons, Uncommons are more profitable than Eldritch Moon Commons, Uncommons. So if you are looking into buying a whole bunch of bulk, and you think that Eldritch Moon might be better just because of some of the cards you're seeing more play in standard, then you are actually incorrect because there's a whole ton of comments from SOI that buy lists for 10 cents each easily. Yeah, I mean, we've been sold out of Lightning Axes and Fury Temper for quite a while. One of these days, Jeremy, I'm just going to rip your vocal cords out through your nose. Yep. It's the nicest way I can put it. I mean, I don't know what's wrong with my Missouri pronunciation, but um, y'all northerners need to work on y'all words. So yeah, there's a lot of value in this set. Just keep it in mind, especially if you win a box. I really want to cast that. Chandra, like new Chandra in modern, and then exile a Simeon Spirit Guide plus one her and play Blood Moon. And then, Harambe already got exiled. Why do we have to do it again? Shut up. <laughs> One of these days, you're just not going to be funny. Nope. That, that, was, day is not today. that was today. Like, I don't, don't think you can do that, Doug. Because it says you can cast the card, right? No, uh, I mean, you plus, make... the other plus one, get two mana. Oh, oh, mana oh okay, one. okay. Alright, so real talk right now. I think the cards that are behind Doug's head right now might be very expensive in the near future. Why is that? Because Planeswalkers are busted. And because we're probably going to get a lot in this set and the next set. I think we're going to have six walkers in, the, in between Kaladesh and Aether Revolt. So there's going to be 12 on the year. There's going to be 12 in the standard. Didn't they... I, I want to say that they mentioned that uh, having four walkers in Shadows Over Innistrad was like a big exception, though. I, I, they did say that. However, the way that the story looks right now, there are six important walkers, and I know of at least one other one that's in this set. So unless they're just like not doing three of the like two of the three, then it's gonna be real weird. I mean, remember that we have those like planeswalker decks though. 
Like the trash right, which, is, which is actually just more Planeswalkers, right? I'm pretty sure one of the Planeswalker decks is going to be Chandra again. Like, I don't think they're going to use those for the story cards. That seems a little sure. weird. Yeah, I, I get your point. So, because there's there's six Planeswalkers in the story right now. Is it's Nissa, Chandra, Liliana, Tezzeret. Do you really think Liliana will get a new card though? I think she'll get one on Aether Revolt. Uh, They've had multiple versions of Planeswalkers in the same format before. Like in the same recently. format, but not in the same block. Wait, are we talking about... We're, we're not, not having the same block. block. We're in well, in the same block, year, though. Like, they've never done it in the same year. It wouldn't be the Have same it? year. Aether, uh, the second Aether set of Kaladesh would be... Yeah, it would be in the winter. Uh, I guess. Have we had three in one format? I feel like we had three Garricks at one point. Maybe we didn't. Uh, I think you had Primal Hunter and Relentless at the same time, but I don't think there was another one. There might have been like a, a small period where there were two different courses. I think we had Collar of Beasts, uh, Relentless, no, not Relentless, no. No, we had the M12 Garrick, the Shadows of, the original Innistrad Garrick, and the M13 Garrick in the same stand yeah. at the same time. Because that was when your mana was so good you could play anything with Farseek. Because it was just like Farseek into Shockland into everything. Yeah. And you had Ra- Corrupt. You had like Ranger's that Corrupt. Path was so good. I played the Omniscience deck for a while. And that's Omnidorth that Ragfire. I didn't, so play, I didn't play that one. I didn't play the Omnidorth Ragfire deck. The one I played was like Increasing Ambition into Temple so Mastery. Strictly Worst version? Yeah, well, I, I played, played Omnidorth Ragfire. I played it before the Ragfire one came out. This was like right after RTR release. Okay. It was like Omniscience, Temporal Mastery, Temporal Mastery, Increasing Ambition, Increasing Ambition, Infinite Angel, Serenities, and Crystal Brand Go. Yep. And then the Burn at the Stake combo deck came. That was fun. I remember that deck. That was funny. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, everyone's getting hype about Kaladesh. Hype will die. Prices will go down eventually. But this is, you know, this is another four-mana Planeswalker that has four abilities. Keep that in mind. Not as good I... as Chase the Mind Sculptor. Not as good as It's really not five. It's four and a half. How do you guys feel about the vehicle mechanic? Uh, I think that the the legendary one could very easily be undervalued. I really, really don't like pre-ordering cards. Wait, is that one above four dollars yet? The legendary one? Six on Star City. Okay. Let's check eBay. Because that is like a flame Kavu that does damage every single time it attacks. And if there's not like a very, very easy way to get rid of it, I think that card could be like 10, 15 easily. Sky Sovereign. So if I was going to compare it to a card, I would say it's more like a Flying Inferno Titan. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. What is that called? The console flagship? Sovereign console flagship. I was writing about this card today, actually, as I was working my article. Okay, uh, yeah. I won't give it all away, but the short version is I think that card is it's good. It's very good. Sky... I already forgot it. Uh, they are $4 on Cool Stuff. I am just about to order my four copies. It's I really hard to complain well. about $4. Oh, yeah. I, I hate pre-ordering cards, but that thing seems so good. The thing is, even if you miss, it's not a problem. Like if you miss your, it's not going to be less than two bucks, right? So yeah. like, there's virtually no cost to. Well, there's going to be it. at least some marginal demand from EDH players who want to build the dwarf lady with vehicles, and they want to build vehicle sixty cardy casual decks. What is okay, the wait. name of that card? Sky. Sky Sovereign console. Sky Sovereign. Okay. Something. Console wait, so we were we were talking about vehicles. You guys have to finish your thoughts on vehicles so I can talk. Uh, that one's really really good. The rest of them will be bulkers. Just how many cards does cool stuff let you order, Jim? Is it eight? Uh, you can get eight usually. If you try to do more than that, sometimes they take them away. Like take all of them away, or take them down no, to no. eight. They take you down to eight. And okay. you get punished. You have to gamble. <laughs> <laughs> no, you try to spec on this card. Taking them all away. No more spec yep. privileges. I, I, I mean, it depends on what card it is. It depends on how many copies they have. I usually just buy eight. I've never gotten turned away for buying eight. So Jim, what do you think of uh, vehicles? So 
So I think vehicles are like equipment with summoning sickness, like in a weird way. Like they feel a lot like equipment. Like they don't do anything if you don't have a creature, and if they kill the creature, they don't kill it. So you know, you're, it makes you wrath-proof and gives you haste creatures kind of at the same time. Like <laughs> if you have the if you have Sky Sovereign and like they kill all your guys, you can untap, play a tireless tracker, tap it, and just six them. Which seems pretty busted. I don't have Sky Sovereign up in front of me. Uh, does it work with summoning sick creatures? So all the the crew mechanic just says tap untap creatures that yeah. have the combined power equal to this number. Okay, so, so it works. So you just play a guy and then it jumps in and then the thing attacks. It's yeah, three or really walker good. too. It's three to a creature or walker. God. Yeah. Be a good way to kill Chandra. This thing just seems nuts. So I will go. I'll go on and say I think it's. Um, I think the vehicles in general are very good. Probably better than most people uh, expect them to be. And after we're done here, I will probably go pre-order. If they're four bucks, I'll probably go pre-order a couple of copies at least a playset of Sky Sovereign. Um, I, it's really easy to underestimate new mechanics and vehicles are really funky. Uh, we haven't quite, and. Um, they got equipment very wrong the first time, too. So I would not be surprised to see that happen again. Uh, both players didn't understand it right away, and Wizards made them way too good. So we can what? see that happen here with vehicles. As for flavor, I think they're really kind of goofy, but whatever. Weren't, weren't equipment first in the original Mirrodin where we got bone splitter and cranial plating? And yep. skull clamp in the same block. Yep, yeah. and like not a single one of those is rare, yeah. Yeah, yep. and so, even drafted war gear is uh, cube playable. It's like a ten dollar foil, by the way. Yeah, because it's really cube playable. Yeah, so you know, I expect them to have done a better job with this than they did with, um, with equipment the first time. But it's they could have messed up. And also keep in mind that uh, magic players are notoriously bad at evaluating mechanics and cards. So. Good. And what is it? Sky Sovereign's a 6 5, right? It's a 6 5 flyer. Yeah, so if Chandra, if New Chandra is like obscene, and then you have Sky Sovereign at 5 toughness, it means it survives Chandra, which is going to be the test, right? Well, it's not, it's very rarely going to be a creature on their turn when they activate Chandra. That's, that's true as well. That's true. That's true. I forgot about that. I wrote about that, but I forgot about it. Yeah, I think, I think the vehicles are going to be very good. Um, I think there are going to be a lot of people that like don't get it at the beginning, and they're going to die a bunch to them because they'll be like, "Oh, that it's just the artifact; it doesn't matter." And then you know, it, your white weenie deck is going to play a bunch of vehicles, and you know, your Thraven Inspector or whatever is going to jump in that that ball lightning car and just kill people for no reason. The other thing to keep in mind too is that. Uh, you know, the Sky Sovereign in particular is crew three, so the question is how many cards are there that easily crew three? Um, you have Tireless Tracker, that new white artifact guy I think that was spoiled today is really good, I think. Um, you have... Uh, Wait, the five drop the, with the energy? No, the three drop, the Jap the one that was spoiled in Japanese that makes the... You can pay four mana to make Thopter tokens or, or whatever. The the one one tokens. Um, Charger's mom? No, no, no. It was you'd have to check Mythic Spoiler. It was just spoiled like a couple hours ago, only in Japanese. Chandra's mom also does power because she is three power. Wait, what? Chandra's mom works. She's a three mana two two that makes a one one thopter. Right, right. Okay, well, okay. So I didn't think I didn't think she was very good, but I think Tireless Tracker is really good. Sylvan Advocate is really easy to get there, and he's in. He comes online with Vigilance, although I don't know if that matters. right in time for Sky Sovereign to, to be worth it. Uh, you have Tireless Tracker, and you have that white 3-drop that they just spoiled, the 3-2 that get, pumps all the tokens and perform on a pumps-out token. So he's very playable. So you have multiple 3-power enablers floating around as well. Really, the only thing that doesn't have 3-power is Reflector Mage. <laughs> I'm just hoping that Linvala the Preserver sees play this year. I do have to say, though, Sky Sovereign now? That... Yeah. Vehicles are very good against Reflector Mage. That's true. That is very true. Can't be bounced easily. How do you guys feel about the new artifact that doubles triggered abilities? Do you think that's going to see some EDH play? Yeah, but Illusionist Bracers isn't worth any money either. Tell me about it. 
Looks like, like uh, looks like Jeremy. So, um, oh God, no, hold on, wait. What's the other one? I'm bracing uh, myself for your pun. God damn, damn, <laughs> damn, damn it out. So I think that this, this, I think it's Panamicron. Panamicron. How do you say the name of it? I don't remember what it is. Whatever that artifact, I think is a lot closer to Panharth. Panharmonicon. There we go. I think that card's a lot closer to Rings of Bright Hearth and Thrumming, or no, no, not Thrumming Stone. What's the one with the two? That's the two names. I know Stratonic Resonator. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Stratonic Resonator. It's. I think it's much closer to that than it is to Illusionist Bracers because it's not an equipment and you don't have to like put it on your dumb idiot before it gets to do anything. It just doubles all your guys that already have entered the battlefield effects. Yeah. It doubles Sky Sovereign and <laughs> for another three. It's the guy for another three. Uh, yeah, so, it also doubles uh, Thraven in this factor. You get two clues. Doubles so Tireless Tracker? No, it doesn't double Tireless Tracker. Never mind, it's Lance. Uh, no, it does double Tireless Tracker. You will get two clues because it says it's, whenever a clue would enter, or whenever an yeah. artifact would enter, right? Doesn't it give you two? No, it's when, if an artifact or creature entering causes a triggered ability of a permanent no. control to trigger, that ability triggers additional time. So an artifact or creature has to come in and play to trigger it. So it gives you four life when you play that three mana two two. Something I, else to uh, yeah, go ahead, Travis. I was gonna say um, I think that this card is is very good because it doesn't cost you anything. You put it in the play and you're done, right? Like you don't have to. <laughs> work to activate it anymore. You just get free triggers, um, which is going to help a lot. And it's it's pretty cheap at 4 mana, too. I think this is going to get reprinted to dust in ancillary sets for a while, but I think foils are going to be a really strong pickup because, um, you know, they're going to put in Commander's products and Arch Enemy and all that type of crap, but they're not going to put it in an expansion set again anytime soon. I want to cast a Massacre Worm after I've had this in play. You mean anything? Just pick a card, pick any card, and it's good, right? Like they're all fine. Now, at the same time, this um, is Dead Eye Navigator. <laughs> well, Travis, now we know what you like to do on your Saturday nights. Uh, at the same time, we have uh, the 2017 uh, product list coming out. Um, there is even now two products in the same month for some of the months next year. Uh, I think once you learn that by pushing so many products, they can make more money per player. I mean, this is not good for the player base or the game, that they're using this many... Like, yes, when cards get reprinted, we sell a lot more at the new price. Yeah, I don't think anyone can disagree on that. But the amount of reprints coming out is really concerning for finance people, because you can really get burned on anything. Like, uh, Open the Vaults, for example. Um, we're going to see a ton of reprints. They're even reprinting the Kalia Commander deck next year. So all the rares that were in the original Commander that had started going up in price that were cool to find in, like, a bulk rare pile are just now not going to be worth anything. I so open the vaults. Do you mean um, the four-mana one that Doug and I have a ton of? Yeah, no. sorry. Face uh, face reward or whatever. Yeah, you messed that one up. I thought you were talking about, uh, like, anthologies, like, with the Kawaii deck. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, there's like Dread Cacodemon was a card that everyone thought was a bulker. It was like four dollars TCG mid, and then they announced it was getting reprinted. Right, but like, how many people do you expect to buy the anthologies thing? Because the I was under the impression that the first one was not very successful, and it didn't really do anything to the prices of the old uh, cards that were in like Hells vs. Goblins. Like Elvish Harbinger still worth money. Like uh, all the cards from like all the commons and uncommons from those old dual decks are still worth money. Like it didn't impact uh, ancestral visions at all. It's it's really weird because well, ancestral visions wasn't in the reprint, is it? Yeah, it's in uh, Jace vs. Chandra. Oh, that well, that was a long time ago now. Right, but the anthologies came out, and that didn't do anything with it. In yeah, the it was an anthologies one. Yep, there was it's the first one. Dual decks is uh, Elves Goblins, Jace Chandra, uh, Garuk Liliana, and Divine Demonic. Uh, ultimately, I don't think it really it's going to do that much to the prices because they're releasing them, them MSRPs that match. Um, that match the secondary market. I mean, that's what we're seeing with this commander one. Right. Is, is it's so close that it really doesn't do. It's not like they're releasing it at a third of the price and it's crushing those values. It's just sort of like here's some extra copies, but it's so expensive to buy them. It doesn't really ping anything. And I really don't think there's any collectors out there who are looking to buy the first four commander sets or anything like that and like have them in their basement. Like 
the dual decks were a collectible item for the first four. Like, those were really hard to find on the secondary market. And that was for people who wanted to have, like, one of each hanging on their windowsill. But with the commander decks, people bought them and cracked them. That's why they... That's why they were a billion dollars, because everyone wanted to play with them. And I don't think there's a real secondary market. It's like the Japanese Jace versus Chandra. That's not worth any money. Yeah, I, I don't know who this product is for, to be perfectly honest with you. I really don't know what they're aiming for. I think it's just, this is extremely low effort. We can sell more copies, so why don't we? I agree with Doug. That is why I have this. Well, I don't um, see what that is. It's the Dual Decks Anthologies. It's really hard to tip it up. Uh, yeah, I've got... Uh, the eight decks. I've got one, too, over here. I got this out of a collection, though. I didn't buy it at retail. Um, Hashtag MTG finance. I have so many. I have so many like commander products that I didn't buy because I just picked them up in uh, collections. I have a uh, hundred oversized cards that came in, so I bought out a shop for those listening. Uh, one of our competitors couldn't compete with our prices. Who knew selling at Star City was bad for your business? And I got like. All these promos and like the Avacyn restored pre-release things, none of them are foil, like the Hell Vault things and like every commander. So yeah, like I don't know who the hell I'm going to sell these to. But uh, Channel Fireball actually takes all those. Thank you. Box finance wise, apparently this Visions pre-release box is worth a pretty penny. I've got like a Rise of Eldrazi one somewhere as well. It's really well done. What's apparently it's got like nostalgic. Penny? It's got like nostalgic use or something. What's so, a pretty- what is a pretty penny equal? Yeah, how much is that? I was offered 30 for the box already on Twitter, which is, I, like, pretty nice. I gave one away a while ago. Yeah. That was right before I had any idea what I was doing. Well, you need to pick what you're doing better, so let's segue into pick of the week. What are you what guys are looking to get? All right, dibs on the legendary flying vehicle. Uh I already no fuck no fuck you. I already said that one. Whoa whoa! This is a family friendly podcast. No, we are actually you. mentioned as explicit on iTunes. I mean that's only because your puns are so terrible. Yeah, this is true. All right, if I can't go for the uh, for the uh, legendary battleship, I will pick the. Uh, the three mana two two fox. It's an uncommon from Kaladesh. When it comes into play, it gains you three life, and when it dies, you draw a card. It's an artifact creature. I think that thing could easily see standard play in the team merge lists in the emerge uh, decks, and I think it'll be a buy listable common uncommon. Or it's an uncommon, so it'll be a buy listable uncommon that a lot of spiky players pass over until they realize it's actually good and they need it. Yo, man, so, I don't um, know if you know how bad standard is right now, but we play with Pilgrim's Eye. I'm pretty sure people are going to realize they'd rather play with a 2-2 than a 1-1. It doesn't fly, though. It's a filigree familiar. Yeah, nothing flies. It doesn't matter. All right, if you're going right. to shoot down that pick of the week... No, no, that's that... a fine pick. I'm just saying, like, your your mileage may vary. Woodworker's Puzzle Knot, I also think, is a playable common. It's the cheapest source of energy that also lets you survive to do your big energy things so far. Common that comes into play, two mana artifact, gains you three life, gets you three energy. You sack it for three mana, and then you gain another three life and another three energy. So then you have like a billion energy to do it on turn four. The card reminds me of a, a Dominion card. That's all I can think of. Has anyone played Dominion? None of you no. played Dominion. No, it, it feels a lot like a card from Ascension, but I think it's just because Ascension has an energy mechanic. Also, Ascension is just Dominion. <laughs> What's your pick of the week, Jim? My pick of the week is uh, pretty much any Oath card except for Gideon because that one's bad. Uh, I think that there's going to be some number of these that are going to start getting played because... Uh, Daronka's command is leaving, and we can play with enchantments again that are not just going to instantly die. Uh, if Chandra is very good, she comes down the turn after all of the oaths because they cost two or three mana. Um, I think that oath of Chandra especially might be very good because we're probably just going to be playing Chandra herself. So, uh, Doug, are you looking behind you to see what it does? I, I knew what it, uh, the end of the battlefield ability did. I didn't know if it was two or three damage to the opponent for the trigger. Okay. But uh, I was checking to make sure that you could uh, 
like play your new Chandra plus one her, deal two damage to their Chandra, and then have this deal another two damage to their Chandra? Uh, those are things that you can do. You can kill their opponent Chandra, assuming that it's at four loyalty. Um, I also really think that there's going to be like probably like a one-two punch of Liliana and Chandra. Uh, those are both really good planeswalkers, and Liliana's plus plus Chandra's minus kid lets you kill five toughness creatures, which are pretty big. So I don't know. I think that that they're cheap enough that there's enough upside if they do go up. Like even right now, people are playing Oath of Jace in multi-planeswalker decks because Scry 1 is pretty good. Scry 3 is, like, insane. All right, so in case you're listening, I, I picked two picks of the week, and uh, Jim shot them both down, and then he picked five picks of the week. So Actually, I, I specifically picked four because the Gideon one's not good. Okay. All right. Travis? Uh... I still think Eldrazi Mimic is good. Um, that's just about a dollar now. We're seeing a, the vehicles are uh, are definitely a pull for the um, for that effect. Uh, you're going to play these vehicles which have high power and toughness relative to their mana cost um, because you have to crew them, and that means Eldrazi Mimic gets uh, outsized pumps based on those vehicle stats. And then uh, he can help crew vehicles later on on the turns where you don't have a lot else going on with him. So uh, I still Wait, so like him at under a dollar. If you play a vehicle and you haven't activated it yet, does Mimic still copy its power and toughness even if it's oh. not a creature, though? Yeah, you know what? I was thinking about that earlier. That's why I wasn't, that's why I wasn't going to say Eldrazi Mimic, but I forgot about that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's a way to stack that either. Because there's one no, that comes into play work. as a creature. Yeah, you can probably pull it off with that one, but none of the other ones. Because the other ones, it's not even like it's a cre- It's not like the gods where they're creatures, except when devotion's low enough, they're just never a creature. So yeah, that probably doesn't work. Um, okay, well, all right. In any case, even if that's not any good, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna re- re- point to that um, the white guy in Kaladesh that makes the tokens, the three mana three two. I think he's. He was spoiled in Japanese. He's going to fly kind of under the radar. People aren't really going to notice him. But that's the type of card that I see being very powerful in constructed magic. He just he does a lot of work for all your for the, all your tokens, all your thopters and stuff. Oh, the dwarf guy. Definitely be playable. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're talking about now. He'll definitely be playable. Uh, he'll buff all those other guys that are already playable, and he starts sticking pooping out a stream of attackers later on. Just what everybody else knows what Travis is talking about, it's, uh, I have, I pulled it up, it's called Trinket, or Trinket Master Crafter. It's a two and a white dwarf artificer. It's a three-two. Servo and Thopter creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and you can pay three and a white to create a one-one colorless Servo artifact token. So, you basically pay four mana to make two-twos, and it looks a little bit like Imperius Perfect, which is a really good card. Yeah, and I, 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 there's no pre-order prices on it yet because it was only spoiled a couple hours ago, but um, I think that's the type of card that could end up being cheap until people realize that it's actually as good as it is. That would have been a really good with Thopter's Spy Network if, that, if those were both allowed to be in the same set. Yeah, also that three mana that makes two, the, what is it, Artisip- the, oh, I can't, I don't remember the name of the card. It's the blue one, it's three mana for a one-two that makes two of them, and then creatures are unblockable. Oh, uh, Whirler Rogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been really good with that, too. Why is Jeremy so quiet? That guy's a 2-2. Two, two. No, a 2-1-2. Two, two. I'm waiting for my pick of the week. You've been, quiet. You've been quiet for a lot, our, the second half of our conversation here. We're talking about standard cards. He doesn't care. Yeah, well, I care if I can sell them. That's about it. Um, My pick of the week... I'm going to go with Garrick Apex Predator. That card has flown under the radar as far as casuals are concerned, and it's a seven-mana Planeswalker that does a bunch of Temi stuff. So, like, my mode of finance is C, Planeswalker, trade for Planeswalker, sell Planeswalker, repeat process. Sarkin, Dragon Speaker at $2, please. Even Tybalt's at $2 aren't horrible. We actually sell those. Though whether people are buying those as a joke or not, I'm not sure. Who cares if they're buying them? I actually had a really good idea. Well, I don't know if it's a really good idea or not, but Eldrazi Displacer seems like a really good card to pair with Sky Sovereign. 
because it can crew it and it also blinks it repeatedly for free flame slashes. Oh god, that's so good. <laughs> you can crew the screws, crew Sky Sovereign with Displacer, attack with it, and then blink it after combat. Yeah, this then, thing really has a place in standard. I pre-ordered 10, by the way. I tried to pre-order 10 from Cool Stuff Inc. For, uh, just so everyone knows, I paid four each, so I ended up paying 40 bucks for 10 copies. I don't know if they'll send me all 10 copies. Maybe they'll just give me the benefit of the doubt and not cut me down to eight, but I'm trying to buy 10 copies at $4 a piece. They're not going to be $4 by the time I get there to order them, are they? Uh, if he bought 10 and I bought four, there's only six left, and it's assuming no one else bought any. They all right. 20 at a time. Yep. Well, let's wrap this cast off. They're all gone now. We've been talking for about an hour. Where can people find y'all? My name is Douglas Johnson. You can find me on Twitter at Rose of Thorns. Uh, I also add people on Facebook just to usually read my articles, and then they have a Facebook account. Uh, You can find me on Reddit, uh, generally most forms of social media. I don't have an Instagram, though, so I'm sorry. I don't post tweet pics. my articles come out every Thursday on Quiet Speculation on the Insider side. Thanks for watching. My name is Jim Gasol. I write for Modern Nexus on Wednesday, and I wrote for Gathering Magic every other Monday, and you can find me on Twitter at P-H-R-O-S-T underscore. And I'm Travis Allen. You can find me on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Wednesday for MTG Price on the ProTrader side, and I do MTG Fast Finance, the podcast with James Chilcott. And, of course, before we sign off, don't forget, Sig Osfresser forgot to get on the podcast this week because of family being more important than a, than a podcast. If you guys want to go ahead and continue the tradition and tweet at SigFigMaryPoppins, uh, it's a little joke we do every time he misses the cast. You tweet him a word. So the word for this week is Mary Poppins. That's at SigFig8. Yeah, it's funny when it was just a fruit every week. Why is what? it not a fruit anymore? Yeah. Well, it was originally like pineapple because he hates pineapple or something. Right, and then it was watermelon, and we we're like, oh, let's keep doing fruits. And then he's like, Mary Poppins. And yes. Like, what the this hell week happened? Is Mary Poppins. That's because. To change that? No, Sig's pretty hype with Thopters. He's a pretty fly guy. I'm at Zemet Sells oh Magic. God, you, can find me. you can find me in the great state <laughs> of Missouri. You can find me in St. Louis at Mizzou. And as always, we're going to leave you guys with a little bit of that heavy, heavy, heavy MTG finance wisdom. I recommend learning sign language. It's pretty handy. Anyway, thanks for watching Cartel Aristocrats Finance Podcast number 24, and we'll see you guys next week.